This is Front Page. We here at Front Page, we do our best to dig out the truth and bring it to you. Hello, all you freedom-loving people. Welcome to Front Page Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Cameron Goulet. After a lengthy investigation by the House Oversight Committee, James Comer finally lowered the hammer on the Biden family by issuing subpoenas not only for Hunter Biden, but for Hunter's surrogate Rob Walker and for James Biden. President Trump was issued a gag order in Florida and the New York judge won't let him speak freely either, but this hasn't stopped him. Minnesota also decided in a ruling to not prevent President Trump from being on the presidential ballot. President Trump has seen an increase in support from men of color in the polls recently, and while he was engaging Hispanic voters in a rally in Florida on Wednesday night, his rivals for the Republican presidential nomination were bickering amongst themselves just down the road. Angelina Jolie took to Instagram in order to accuse Israel of committing war crimes. She called Gaza an open-air prison, prompting the Israeli president to point out that Israel pulled out of Gaza and that Gaza is an Iranian base filled with terror. But the terror inside Gaza did not deter reporters from mingling with Hamas terrorists and taking photos while the terrorists attacked Israel. Okay, let's get into it. On Tuesday, Israeli President Isaac Herzog denied Angelina Jolie's allegations that Israel committed war crimes against Palestinians. Recently, Angelina Jolie, who also serves as a special envoy to the UN High Commission for Refugees, accused Israel of war crimes. Jolie condemned Israel for deliberately bombing a trapped population that has nowhere to flee on her Instagram account. Jolie claimed that for nearly two decades, Gaza has been an open-air prison and is now a mass grave. Jolie wrote, While the world watches, and with the active support of many governments, millions of Palestinian civilians, children, women, families, are being collectively punished and dehumanized, all while being deprived food, medicine, and humanitarian aid against international law. By refusing to demand a humanitarian ceasefire and blocking the UN Security Council from imposing one on both sides, world leaders are complicit in these crimes. However, Isaac Herzog said, I totally reject her claims. I think she's never been in Gaza to visit and see the facts on the ground. Herzog added, In Gaza now, there is a war. But there is no humanitarian crisis that does not enable them to survive. The Israeli president further stated that Angelina Jolie does not offer the Israeli people any ability to defend themselves by saying what she says. And Gaza is a jail. Not because of Israel. Israel pulled out of Gaza. Gaza is an Iranian base filled with terror. The latest development following the Hamas attacks on Israel on October 7th is quite shocking. On Wednesday, Honest Reporting, which is a pro-Israel media watchdog organization, brought up ethical concerns. It noted that media photographers seemed to know about the attack before it happened and they were quite at ease among the terrorists. And these were the terrorists who shot every other civilian that they found. Following that, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's administration demanded answers from news outlets. Nitzan Chen, Israel's government press office director, 
demanded explanations from the bureau chiefs of the Associated Press, Reuters, CNN, and the New York Times about the findings. Reportedly, these outlets used footage and photos from photographers who were embedded with Hamas terrorists during the attack. They posted these photos of the surprise attack on Israel in their coverage. The Associated Press said that it had no advanced knowledge of the attacks. However, its photographers appeared alongside Hamas terrorists from the first moments that they broke through the Gaza border fence. Associated Press reporter Hassan Aslaya took footage while traveling with Hamas terrorists during the massacre. Aslaya crossed into Israel, took photos of a burning Israeli tank, and then captured infiltrators entering the kibbutz Kafar Aza. Hassan provided photos to CNN, and the Wall Street Journal also published a photo by Hassan Aslaya. Another reporter, Yusuf Masood, provided photos to the New York Times. So why were the journalists there so early on what would typically be a quiet Saturday? Were the news outlets that published their photos okay with their presence inside terrorist territory? The whole thing seems very suspicious. On Wednesday, House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer finally signed subpoenas for Hunter Biden, James Biden, and family associate Rob Walker. The Oversight Committee also plans to interview several other family members and associates of the Biden family. This includes Melissa Cohen, Sarah Biden, Haley Biden, Elizabeth Secundi, and Tony Bobulinski. Comer stated, The House Oversight Committee has followed the money and built a record of evidence revealing how Joe Biden knew, was involved, and benefited from his family's influence peddling schemes. Now the House Oversight Committee is going to bring in members of the Biden family and their associates to question them on this record of evidence. Hunter and James Biden will testify on December 13th. Comer added, unlike the many lies President Biden told the American people about his family business schemes, bank records don't lie. These records reveal how the Bidens sold Joe Biden around the world to benefit the Biden family, including Joe Biden himself, to the detriment of U.S. interests. Along with Hunter and James Biden, Comer demanded Rob Walker to appear before the committee after he refused to appear earlier this year. Walker described himself as someone who generally has been acting as a surrogate for Hunter around the country and abroad, pursuing opportunities. Walker will testify on November 29th. Comer wants to question Walker about his $3 million payment. This payment was split between four Biden family members, Hunter, James, Haley, and an unidentified Biden. The Biden family members received $1.3 million collectively from the $3 million payment. The $3 million payment is just a portion of the $24 million that Comer says the Biden business received from foreign nationals over five years. This includes millions of dollars from China, Russia, Ukraine, Romania, and Kazakhstan. In the meantime, special counsel David Weiss claimed that he asked the U.S. Department of Justice for a higher position in the investigation of Hunter Biden. However, Weiss was denied. 
Representative Jim Jordan, who was the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, said he requested. He was not given that request, and he never had that authority throughout the time. It was unclear who rejected the request. Jason Foster, the lawyer who was representing the IRS whistleblowers, who have offered testimony and records to Congress after working on Hunter Biden's probe, wrote on X, so who denied Weiss special attorney, charging authority? For what reason? And why didn't he and Garland just say so when Congress asked? Foster was referring to Attorney General Merrick Garland who appointed Weiss as special counsel earlier this year. Garland previously alluded to Weiss having the ability to charge Hunter, but now it appears Weiss was denied this appointment. In a July 10th letter to Senator Lindsey Graham, Weiss said that he had discussed with DOJ officials his potential special attorney status. Weiss said that this would allow him to file charges in a district outside his district without the partnership of the local U.S. attorney. He also said, I was assured I would be granted this authority if it proved necessary. However, Weiss did not say whether or not he ever did ask for this authority. There is also no indication that Weiss was ever granted such status or brought charges against Hunter Biden outside of Delaware. Tristan Leavitt, another lawyer who represents the IRS whistleblowers, wrote on Tuesday on X that Weiss gave the misleading impression in his July 10th letter that he never requested special attorney authority. Leavitt said that it was utterly ridiculous that Weiss played these word games and almost got away with it. In the third Republican primary debate, without President Trump. The other candidates each looked for targets to attack in order to increase viewership. Former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis are neck and neck in the polls, so they're both targeting each other. They clashed over the China issue during the debate on Wednesday. DeSantis accused Haley of allowing Beijing to buy land in South Carolina while she was governor. Haley tried to interject and defend herself but the hosts didn't give her a chance. She wasn't given a chance to clarify until after the commercial break. She then took aim at DeSantis, saying that there were reports that the Florida government website had recently deleted a story talking about Florida's attraction to Chinese business opportunities. She also blamed Florida for the presence of Chinese military aircraft manufacturers. Entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy has a slightly lower approval rating than these two. His target of choice was the RNC chairwoman. He ripped the Republican National Committee for picking NBC News as Wednesday's debate moderator. Ramaswamy called for committee chair Rona McDaniel's resignation. The statement expresses the frustration among some Republicans who doubt the RNC's effectiveness after several election losses. In his opening statement, Vivek also pointed out Tuesday's poor election results for Republicans. I think there's something deeper going on in the Republican Party here, and I am upset about what happened last night. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We have a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 
2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. Vivek then called on McDaniel to resign. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my, yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there are cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Vivek then said that other conservative commentators should moderate the debate instead of NBC News. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. 40 minutes into the debate, there was a commercial break period. The crowd erupted in chants for President Trump. President Trump, on the other hand, was holding a rally in Hialeah, not far from the debate venue. As usual, the rally was packed with his supporters. The Minnesota Supreme Court rejected a bid to block President Trump from the primary ballot. Last Thursday, Minnesota's high court held a hearing on whether President Trump could be blocked from the 2024 ballot. Chief Justice Natalie Hudson said in a four-page order that there's no state statute that prohibits a major political party from placing on the presidential nomination primary ballot a candidate who is ineligible to hold office. By citing the 14th Amendment, eight Minnesota voters challenged President Trump's eligibility. Their legal theories were based on Section 3 of the U.S. Constitution's 14th Amendment. This section states that public officials who have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the U.S. may be disqualified from public office. However, President Trump has not been charged with engaging in an insurrection or rebellion against the United States. Four of the five Minnesota justices, who are Democrats, doubted that states could decide whether President Trump should appear on the 2024 ballot, and two of the justices recused themselves from the case. Last week, Hudson sharply criticized the case's argument and said, this is a national matter for Congress to decide. So should we do it, even if we could do it and we can do it? Hudson also argued that if states had the power to block a person from the ballot, it would create chaos. On Wednesday, President Trump pressed further and filed an appeal brief regarding Judge Tanya Chutkin's gag order in the election case. Last month, President Trump filed a motion to halt Judge Chutkin's gag order pending appeal. On October 20th, Judge Chutkin agreed to temporarily pause her own gag order in the election case. Later, a federal appeals court temporarily froze the gag order. And now President Trump has filed his first brief in the appeal of Judge Chutkin's gag order. President Trump argued that the gag order violated his First Amendment right to communicate with the public during his campaign. The oral arguments are set for November 20th. And regarding President Trump's civil case in New York, President Trump shared a document that he wanted to read in court, but he was not allowed to by Judge Arthur Engeron. The document was a disclaimer clause that President Trump repeatedly referenced throughout the civil case on Monday. On Tuesday, President Trump posted the clause 
from his financial statements on True Social, saying, this is the paper that I wanted to submit that the judge refused to take because he doesn't want anybody to know about the disclaimer clause at the beginning of each financial statement. This is just part of it. That case is a disgrace to the legal and judicial system of New York. Hopefully the appellate courts will stop this travesty of justice that everybody is watching and fully understanding. In court, President Trump repeatedly referred to the clause but was denied the opportunity to read it. During the trial, President Trump pulled out a document from his pocket and placed it on the witness stand. He asked Judge Engeron if he could read it. However, Judge Engeron replied, we're not here to hear what he has to say. We're here to have him answer questions. President Trump responded, I am shocked. This is a very unfair trial. Very, very, and I hope the public is watching. So far, the persecution of President Trump is having the opposite effect that they were hoping for. We already have begun to see the backlash against the persecution of President Trump after a recent New York Times poll which showed that President Trump is beating Joe Biden in five of six key swing states. Now there's a shocking CNN poll. CNN's poll on Tuesday revealed that President Trump leads President Joe Biden by three points among voters who are men of color. The poll found that 49% of men of color supported President Trump and only 46% backed Joe Biden. Van Jones, a CNN commentator, stressed by saying, shocking, shocking, black men, that's a stunner. Black women have been in the lead, but black men haven't been that far behind. Okay, this is our podcast for today. Thank you again for listening to Front Page Podcast. For more exclusive in-depth content, please go to frontpageshow.com.